This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Bad Hotel in Moscow, Russia, and from West Hollywood, California, this is the Men in Blazers podcast. Oh, three generations after the Cossacks chased my family out of the country. I'm back. Because football, Dave, football's just that powerful. So how is Russia, Rog? It's bonkers here. It is. I'm here with producer J-Dubs. We are meeting a lot of fascinating people, I'd say. A lot of, there's a lot of makeshift MMA training going on all over the city, in parks, especially on kids' jungle gyms. Not a lot of kids. A lot of skinhead, slightly deranged, crystal methy kind of Russian guys just working so bloody hard. I'd just say... The natural level of aggression here in Moscow is at levels I've never really experienced outside of Liverpool. You've got to go back in history as you wander around and think like, Napoleon, Hitler, mate, what, what, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Because there's just so many signs, David, that suggest do not try and invade this place. Just don't do it. I, I would believe that 70% of the people that I've met, both on Aeroflot and since I arrived, are just carrying shivs on their person, 30% of which are probably homemade. I am the weakest person here by some margin. Who, Rog, who exactly is thinking of invading Russia? Well, Napoleon, he tried, <laughs> not so good. Um, Hitler, tried, not so good. Gareth Southgate, in his own way, mounting a noble attempt. Honestly, we've met infants, J-Dubs and I, with, with a murderous look in their eye who would be able to beat me up here. There's a you want a pro fashion tip from Moscow, David? Yeah, go. Big men, big swollen men, Jordan Shakiri kind of men, but even more do you lift, bro? They like to carry tiny, tiny little briefcases here. Big men, little cases. I think I don't quite understand it, but I think the more powerful you are, the tinier the proportion of your briefcase. And I would laugh. But I bet you most of those briefcases probably contain severed fingers. Probably mine if I keep podding like this. Are you worried for me? A little bit worried. How's the food? Uh, The food? The food is unbelievable. We've had so many different kinds of horse meat since we got here. We've had Georgian (laughs) horse meat. We've had horse meat dumplings. We had dinner last night in a former nuclear bunker built into the subway system 215 feet below, uh, below street level with a bunch of Slightly murderous-looking Russians who, I've got to be honest, did not seem that bothered that their team were finally being battered. They just ordered another vodka. But I tweeted about it. I should watch more games, more football games in nuclear shelters because, by definition, nuclear shelters are a reminder that conceding a goal is probably not the worst thing that can happen in the world. But we're here, Dave. We've made it for a World Cup to what is now the home of football, Vladimir Putin's soccer-themed bar mitzvah. OV8, you can smell his aftershave and his, uh, and his upchuck everywhere. Check off PP tapes. Everyone listening, we've met a lot of GFOPs since we got to Russia. There are Americans everywhere buying tickets en masse. I mean, Americans freed from having to follow a team are going to seven, eight games. These binge kind of trips going 10 days, going to eight games. And they are just bouncing around, having the times of their life. Every GFOP who is listening to this, whatever you do, don't make a PP tape in this country, even by accident. Just don't do it. <laughs> do not do the PP tape thing here. It will. It's just it will derail so many political careers before they've begun. 
Talking of PP tapes, how is the nightlife, Rog? Moscow is amazing, Davo. It is, uh, you know, the cities in the world that are Rod cities. Cleveland, Chicago, definitely, definitely, definitely a Rod city. Austin, Texas, actually a Davo city and a Rod city. Vegas, Davo city. Los Angeles, Davo city. Moscow, Jacobs, I have not been in a city that is more a Davo city. Have you achieved peak Davo in Russia? Uh, it's uh, it, there's a lot of Davo life here. I, I'll be honest. I was last in Moscow <laughs> ten years ago, and it was a Rod city. It was a Rod city. It was it was magnificent, but my God, was it shabby and depressing. <laughs> but no longer this place. Oh, you must have been so happy. <laughs> I was. I loved walking around here, just like just depressed as hell. It was fantastic. KGB headquarters. Just think about all the suffering that had occurred. Uh, inside those doors, it's so many places here. The monuments, the monuments. This city monuments itself. So the history, the dark history, the deep history of suffering, of pain, uh, of uh, of human inflicted ideas. They seep through ten years ago. Not now, mate. Not now. This place, this place is gussied up. I, there's, I don't know what they've done to their stray dogs. I do not. In all seriousness, I do not know <laughs> what they have done to their homeless. You don't want to know. They seem to have got every beautiful man and woman, every beautiful man and woman in the whole of the former Soviet Republic and dump them into like the five square miles around the Kremlin. Because if you go further than that, it's like a very different Russia where uh, J-Dubs and I went to the Monument of Fallen Heroes this morning. That was the old Russia. But in the center of town, it is, they, they, let's just say they seem to have flown in every high-class prostitute from every region across the country to make this, to make this a Devo town. Don't link Devo with the high-class prostitutes, Rog. I've never gone pro. <laughs> <laughs> to the football, Rog. Oh, and in the Bud Hotel. I want to raise this Bud to the World Cup 2018. Rogue State Russia, which, simply put, is no exaggeration, no hyperbole, is the most thrilling tournament I've ever witnessed. The passion, the drama, the sheer joy. That's what makes this the finest tournament in world sports. It does sadden me that America did not make more of it when we were awarded the 2026 tournament to be candid because it is the single finest world experience sports can create. I never feel more alive than when watching the World Cup. Just the magic of these games. Argentina being demolished by Croatia. Iran, Portugal, Germany, Sweden. Oh, wow. Just wow. And England, of course. England, bloody England. The, the memories of these games, they stay with you, David. They are etched in your memory, the wonder, the spectacle. In a way, even Premier League games just don't, you know. So I raise this bud to football, to World Cup football. OK, Rod, let's start off with that new bloody England. 6-1, they beat Panama, a barnstorming World Cup game. We've never had that as Englishmen. They were qualified by halftime, Rod. Uh, what did you make of that performance? Let's give them their full name. A winning England, an optimistic England. These words have never gone together. A joyous England, loose England, a professional, clinical England. Most shockingly, Gareth Southgate letting them have a one or two beer drinking happy England. I've never seen that, Davo. English footballers running around the field, enjoying themselves. Never, ever thought I'd live to see the day. But I need to ask you, a man who's Possibly, you know, for me, this is England's finest hour since the days of Wellington, or at least Churchill. What did you make of it, Dave? It must have been, it must have been thrilling for you to witness this. I watched it with my son, 
and this is now, this is how he will always, this will be his formative memory of England. <laughs> and he's watching, he's watching 23 men and a manager who love playing football with each other, who respect each other, who are, are rehearsed. They are coached, Rog. This isn't England with a playing style. This isn't England with, with routines from set pieces, with actually designated free kick takers. They have designated specialist corner kick takers. They have set pieces. They have runs. They have feints. They have blocks. They have screens. They have moves, shapes from corner kicks. We've never experienced anything like this. And actually watching them, it's joyful. I didn't know what to do with my hands, Davo, when I was watching them against Panama. I just didn't know emotively what I should be doing. I've watched hours of English football. I have never seen a game like this. And, and those of you who want to knock it and say, hang on, it's Tunisia. Hang on, it's Panama. And what I say, Davo and I have sat through England against Costa Rica 2014. The worst for me, 2006, Trinidad and Tobago. You know what? I'd even throw in the USA in 2010. Opposition that the English team were expected to blow out the water and we failed to blow them out the water. We toiled, we struggled, we, we vaguely overcame in some of those games, but not always. So to watch England do what they were meant to do, to not trundle onto the field with that old hierarchy of Gerrard, of Lamps, of Rooney, great guys each, but the culture around them stale, and one of, you know, doom before they took the field um, has been replaced by a young culture of verve, optimism and honestly wonder. Symbolised by a single man, Harry Kane, who, and this is truly unbelievable, has strapped on the captain's armband. But that's meant to be like a concrete pair of shoes. It should be dooming whoever wears it. Seems to elevate him, Davo. He's having a World Cup of World Cups, when the adrenaline's pumping, he locks in, he goes next level. It is unbelievable to watch English potency. I mean, there have been games, like the opening game, Rog, against Tunisia, where England missed a bunch of chances. But this was a game in which they took almost every chance. Uh, they could have had another penalty within three minutes, Rog. And they were just superb for a half of football. Second half, you know, they wilted a little in the heat, as, as teams will. But it was just, Phenomenal, phenomenal to watch. And I think two people, you're right, Harry Kane, my word, the way he hit those two penalties, Rog, we've never seen penalties taken like an Englishman no. like that. And Gareth Southgate, just hats off to Gareth Southgate. You know, not everybody's first choice to being a manager, but he's done an amazing job with these players. Yeah, maybe we should have had a regional bank manager managing the England national team a lot earlier, Dave. We should have caught on to that. But Harry Kane, captained his country seven times, scored 11 goals. Um, in the process. Those are, those are Churchillian numbers. I love the tweet from GFOP at L-O-A-G-T who said, I think Harry Kane's playing so well because he knows this is his last chance to win an international trophy with follicles still up top. And there, see Paul <laughs> Rooney, he's going to look like Prince William by Euro 2020. By the way, even John Stones is scoring or trolling, joining Lukaku to officially make this the World Cup of ex-Everton stars who are dead to me. Panamanian fans listening, I've got to say, oh, your team, they played as if they were hell-bent on making CONCACAF seem like the Sunbelt Conference of world football. And there is the knock. We haven't played great teams yet, but there is a second knock on England. Lots of set-piece goals, not many from open play. 
um, all against truly poor opponents. Some are saying we should hold on until we crown England kings of the north, let, that we have to play a big boy team first. What do you think, Dave, about that? You're absolutely right. England have to play a big boy team. They're playing a big boy team next, but it's not really a game that counts particularly, and I think we're going to see a lot of reserves from both teams. But look, this has been a World Cup where a lot of these so-called bigger nations have struggled against a lot of the so-called smaller nations. We've seen very few games. You know, the only other one that comes to mind really was, you know, Russia's mauling of Saudi Arabia. And look what Belgium have done in this group against Panama and Tunisia is there have been a lot of smaller teams, be it Morocco, be it uh, Iran, um, who have played very, very well. Peru played very, very well in this tournament against the bigger team. So let's give them credit where credit's due. Yes, we're still early in the tournament. No one's forecasting. I don't think they're forecasting England to go the whole way. God, I hope they're not. Heather O'Reilly is. But England right now, this is a young squad making it to the last 16. That's been good enough for most people. I'm happy to see them out of the group. And then we'll see what happens. Nobody wants to go and play England. I think they'll play everybody well. They'll cause everybody problems. But in knockout games against the bigger nations, yeah, every single one of those teams would fancy their chances also. You know, I, I don't have a problem with the number of set-piece goals. And I'm actually fascinated. Gareth Southgate's been talking to the English media about the extent to which he and his coaching staff have been studying NBA teams and how they create space for themselves off set plays. And you look at the teams that have won the last World Cups, and in international play, set pieces have, over the last eight years, been such uh, an influence in terms of dominance. Spain were unbelievable uh, from the dead ball, and their movement, their ideas, their ingenuity. Um, in 2010, Germany, I mean, it was what a weapon their set-piece play was uh, the last World Cup. What set pieces in world football where the teams are looser, not as well connected, uh, where the bat lines do not have that level of communication and chemistry. Uh, and so great set pieces are weapons I would want my international team to exploit over and over again. The thing I was fascinated by after the mauling against Panama, when the final whistle went, there was nobody on the bench shaking their head in wonder. There were very few smiles even, none from Kane, none from Gareth Southgate, very businesslike. Uh, they knew 6-1 against Panama was not the mark by which they wanted to be judged. There are bigger games, bigger challenges, bigger tests that lie ahead. And I see a team that are incredibly, incredibly focused. Uh, if anything, it's the fan base uh, that, that is full of doubt and wonder. People like you and me, we're not used to winning. We don't know how to cope with it. You know, the English papers have been self-assessing. Uh, one of the journalists wrote, there's a reason that Britain's most famous explorer is Scott, the man who died in the Antarctic and not any of our true heroes who truly went out and explored the world. Thank you to everyone, especially at GB, who's been uh, laughing at the fact that I just got my American passport and my voter registration, having become a citizen uh, at the very time when England are suddenly just become the darlings of world football. At GB tweeted, there's a very real and undeniably comedic possibility England will win the World Cup the same year as Roger Bennett becomes a US citizen. He never gave up his British passport, GB. He never gave up his British passport. I did. I gave it to the uh, the uh, the Russian person who's cleaning my room. I think I didn't actually give it to her. I think she helped herself. But God love, I hope it gets her uh, dreams achieved and all the more. I am the English Aaron Johansson. I do become America just when my tiny nation changes from being a footballing backwater uh, to a footballing force. Belgium, Davo. Upcoming game. You and I are going to pod, I think, right after it. Would you rest our starters and crews 
against a resting Belgium? Or do you believe momentum and continuity are critical in a World Cup campaign? Well, if you look back to Euro 2016, Rog, where England was sort of virtually assured of getting out of the group stage after two games, after that, you know, come back against Wales. And they sort of rested a lot of their starters against Slovakia. And a lot of people felt that that's how they lost their momentum going into the last 16 tie where they lost to Iceland. I think it's tough to lose too much momentum. I don't think you want to rest players. I think you've still got a few players you want to get into form. You know, Raheem Sterling. Uh, a few players you want to still see in the side, um, like Ruben Loftus-Cheek, get him a few more minutes, get him a bit more experience playing. Um, so I think there'll be four or five reserves, but I still think there'll be a core of the team that are there. And I think it would be tough. A lot of people are saying, oh, we want to play for second in the group because it's going to be a more favourable draw for second. But in this World Cup, who knows? I think yeah. you keep on going out and keep on going out there and trying to win and play great football. To that effect, Dave, we want the better draw. You have to remember, England fist pump when we drew Iceland in the Euros. There's no easy draw in an elimination game at an international tournament anymore. Belgium, we should know, it's been phenomenal to watch this team at full strength. One team at the World Cup who really resemble more than any other a club team. These guys have played together so long that the passes they make, the creative combinations that they must have all the international football teams have watched at this World Cup so far. They seem to be the club team on the field. At ABUCC2 wanted to know, Michael Davis, as a Chelsea fan, watching Lukaku, Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne on the counter. How painful is that? Uh, it's not painful at all. I love watching them play football. Um, I love football, Rog. I've always said I love football first. I love England second. I love Chelsea third. And football, what we're seeing from Belgium, is just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful to watch. You know, my little son George has got his Belgium shirt on. He lo- I think he might like Belgium even more than England, Rog. just loves watching them play football. And uh, you can't love football and not enjoy watching Belgium play. <sighs> Better jersey than the England one. That is for sure. I love me a bit of Argyle. And now that we're covering the golf, anyone who's got an old golf sweater that's really heinous that they don't want, send it our way. We're collecting them. We want to wear them when we're on the course at Carnoustie. Talking about great games. Last night, Dave, we've got to have a quick word. Spain and Portugal playing um, at the same time. Spain uh, playing Morocco. Oh, one of my favourite losing teams at this World Cup. Portugal playing Iran. Iran! Oh, last night. Uh, J-Dubs and I were in a bar in Moscow and we watched Portugal toil uh, and the defensively vulnerable Spain, we have to say, struggle to impose themselves against Morocco, who came within minutes of stealing the game. It all boiled down to a double VAR situation. We got ourselves a double VAR situation. Spain were awarded a wrongly offside goal, which was then corrected at the same time as Iran were given a penalty. Um, which allowed them to get back into the game against Portugal. I just say to watch the Spanish guys we met savor both of those decisions. Portugal's come up and probably even more than their own goal. It made me love football more than I can say. But watching Spain, Dave, and the talk about David De Gea being dropped for the round of 16, shots face six, goals conceded five, saves just one. He looks exhausted after bailing United out for the past three seasons. Something not quite right with Spain. Still have not, you know, um, really sort of found their momentum in this tournament. And by the way, you can find it late. You don't have to have it in the group stage. Uh, I think of England in 1990, 
Rog. Yeah. Uh, you can find it when you get out of the group stage. Still a very, very good team front to back. Davidea, look, goalkeepers do go through dips in form. And Davidea looks like, you know, it, it's got into his head. And certainly you can see what happens here in a group stage game. Despite having everything to play for, you just look at the way that Morocco and Iran played against uh, their more fancy Iberian uh, opponents. They just made themselves very, very difficult to beat and gave them a chance, gave them both teams a whiff at the end of the game of winning. <laughs> Iran conceded only two goals the whole tournament. Uh, and I'd say retrospectively watching them, I think the US did well to hold them to a 2-1 loss back in 1998. But Spain will now have to face Russia in Moscow and I'll just say to the poor referee, it's probably going to be Matt Geiger, the bloody American, whoever the referee is for that game, just be prepared. You will be showing yourself uh, in some PP tapes by a Putin operative before the game, whether they're fake or not, just expect surprises in that game. I would not want to be the referee of a elimination game featuring Putin's Russia in Moscow. No, 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 no. Round of 16 also may include a surprise team, Dave, one we never saw coming. Germany. 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 Oh, Sweden. Oh, Sweden, Rog. You know, this was the equivalent to showing them the way to the ball bearing factory in uh, circa 1940. <laughs> it was just, it was just what they allowed. The fact that they allowed with the ball down at the other end, with a minute and a half left to play in extra time, why they didn't take that ball to the corner flag. They just let the Terminator live again, Rog. They just let him come back again and again and again. Um, and ultimately, Tony Cruz, what a goal, what a finish. Germany are back. I mean, what, what a moment and what a great escape. The defending champions down to 10 men, they were clinically dead. And uh, The transformation from, uh, from just mourning to euphoria, which, by the way, was triggered by Germany going down to 10 men. This is something that does not happen with English football teams. Germany went down to 10 men. They were on the ropes and then some. If you look at the statistics, I think Germany had 73 passes after going uh, down to 10 men. Sweden just had 13. There is something about facing death that makes Germans feel never more alive. That Tony Kroos, it was a, it was a piece of alchemy. It was a piece of human alchemy, that wonder strike. It was as close as I've ever seen to watching the battle in Game of Thrones between the Viper, Sweden, uh, and Germany's mountain played out in real time. Um, crisis averted amongst scenes of wonder, but not for long, surely, Davo, because it's like a toupee, that goal. They're, they're still bald, right? The problems are still there. They're still dealing with the challenges that have led them to such insipid performances for the majority of those first two games. And also, let's not ignore Sweden's role in this. The way they played after being up 11%. If this was an England team who did this to Germany, we wouldn't really be talking about Germany. We'd be talking about England. What Sweden did, this, the, they just, it was a surrender. By the way, Sweden aren't used to surrendering because they're always bloody neutral, Rog. But this was a surrender of epic proportions. This was, this was one of the more loserish performances that I've seen in my life in international football. Pathetic, pathetic Sweden. And allowing Germany back into that game, they should hang their heads in shame. A Germany that still lack a central defensive midfielder. They still seem to lack the leadership to replace the Schweinsteiger, alarm kind of calibre leader generation. Uh, the, the locker room is meant to be split 
between the oldies and the youngies, the Mullers, the Neuers, the Cruces, and the new guys, the Tim Verners, uh, the Draxlers, uh, not to mention the old Ozil ghost to Erdogan pre-World Cup photos. You know, there, there is a divide there. You do, you speak to American internationals and you hear how the older hierarchy, the, the Tim Howards, the Josies, the Clint Dempsey's created a hierarchy that made the younger, newer players feel they didn't really belong. I think Germany have that right now. There will still be a German fiasco produced about this World Cup campaign soon, soon, soon. This is the most un-German German team I've ever seen. In the same way, Davo, as the Mexico team are possibly the least Mexican uh, national team I've seen. And the most thrilling game I have watched thus far at this World Cup, Mexico 2, South Korea 1. Such tactical manipulation, such true full-bore football from both teams. They will wonder. i got to tell you, Mexico, that is the team that I'm cheering after England in this World Cup. I'm loving every second of what they play. Being in Los Angeles, Rog, you know, a proper, proper Mexico fan base here, as you well know, I spoke to some friends of mine yesterday who'd actually gone down to Mexico to go and watch the second game. And I said, oh my God, the atmosphere must have been incredible down there. They said, no, it's way better here in Los Angeles watching a Mexican game than it is even in bloody Mexico. Um, and uh, thrilling football. We're so happy for Juan Carlos Osorio. Um, what a job he's doing uh, with that team. And, you know, another team with a bunch of guys who seem to just love playing football with each other. What vindication for Juan Carlos Osorio. I, I, I want to talk about him in one second. I do need to make it clear this is a sad state of American football right now. Michael Davis has been given $0 by Wells Fargo to rhapsodize uh, the Mexican national team. We actually turned that offer down. Uh, but yeah, everything, you said, everything you said is just facts. I mean, Juan Carlos Osorio, human vindication, a manager a month ago that the Mexican fans were chanting... En masse, they wanted fired right before the World Cup. They hated this tactical tinkering. They now lured it. And after they beat Germany on the counter and then Korea with a creative possession game, all you can say is it's a marvel what he's doing. I mean, he has internalized the kind of message that you need to prosper with a team of good but ordinary players. There's no true world stars in that squad yet. And I watch how he's delivered a message of self-sacrifice, JCA, with mental strength and of run, run, run. And all I can say is JCA for USA 2022. Mexico plays Sweden tomorrow. A win would make them, David. This is astounding. The first CONCACAF team to win three opening group games in World Cup history, which is the morsel of respect I think CONCACAF really needs after a terrible World Cup. Um, and for Mexico, it probably is the Landon Donovan effect, Dave. Ever since he supported them, they've been bloody good. Okay, Rob. Another terrible team we've got to talk about. Argentina. Croatia 3, Argentina 0. I mean, to watch that, for me, if you're team Messi, which I am, it was honestly sadder than the final scenes of Terms of Endearment. Argentina, they've still got a lifeline. Thanks to Iceland's also tragic defeat. Nigeria, that bottle of Fresca shaken and opened up, won that game 2-0. But it was brutal to watch Lionel Messi just flounder, right? It's just sad to watch Sampioli on the sidelines, seemingly in sort of zero tactical communication with his team, with zero tactical plan other than just lump it into Messi and just stand back and try and watch him do magic as he runs down blind alleys into eight Croatian defenders. Um, Got to say, once again, impressed by Croatia, 
very, very strong football team that um, I wouldn't want to play them at all. Um, but just sad in the aftermath of this, uh, the relationship between the Federation and Sampioli and the players, it's Ugh. like no one wants to see that in international football. I mean, to watch Lionel Messi slowly morph into Ralph Wiggum, the, the Ralph Wiggumizing of Lionel Messi it is humanly so upsetting to witness. Like he seems to be walking around the field just saying like, Principal Skinner, I got car sick in your office. And they are in full Argentina fiasco mode. The team have reportedly been their coach. I mean, uh, Sampioli and his tattoo sleeves have become the Argentinian Steve Sampson. They're going to pick their team tonight for the clash against Nigeria. And when you walk around Moscow, it really does put the weight on Messi's shoulders into even clearer perspective. That bloke, his face is popping out of everything. Every cab, every store window, his face is painted on the side of houses. His face is in three out of every five commercials visible on television here. If Russia had a 1877 Cars for Kids commercial, like I would expect Messi to be at least playing the bass guitar, maybe the keyboard. <laughs> it, it's not, not surprising that he's crumbling under the pressure, which is commercial as much as sporting. Probably not just pressure, but bloody fatigue. Watching Messi joyless, if they are going to win tonight and they will need him to do what Maradona did, with his average but World Cup winning side in 1986, which is to just slalom through entire sides single-handedly. If they win, they're still probably going to play France and they will be beaten, which is, and I fear this, going to, barring a miracle, will usher in the end uh, of Lionel Messi internationally, probably Aguero, Di Maria, Higuain. Argentina, when you look at that next generation, they're just a slightly fancier Panama, David. You sent me a brilliant article about uh, the fact that in Argentina, because the market is for attacking Argentinian players, they're not really developing defenders. Tactically, they're just obsessed with the idea of everybody just running really fast and pressing, 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 and uh, not really playing any kind of sophisticated football. And it's just been sad to watch the way that Argentina have played in this tournament so far. Yeah, I think it was a Simon Kuiper piece that talked about how Argentina, the economy is so terrible around football, they just want to sell even above average footballers on. And who do world football teams want to buy? They don't want to pay a fortune for defenders. So Argentina have just solely focused on building pacey, flair attackers that they can flog on. And the national team as a true collective have been the victim. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, this World Cup will be more glorious. We're put Lionel Messi smiling once again. But I've got a dark feeling. Time to look ahead to tomorrow, Rod. Select our meister of the day. I've got my little 10-pack of, uh, of Jägermeister tiny little shots, Dave. I do not travel without them, and I'm raising one in the air. I will say I'm excited to watch Germany-South Korea tomorrow. I think that's going to be a battle royale. But J-Dubs and I, we are going to slum it. We're going to watch Brazil-Serbia tomorrow in person. J-Dubs' first World Cup game of all time. Tomorrow night, I'm fascinated, to be honest, to try and watch Brazil, a, a mixed Brazil, try and get the point they need to proceed, which is not a given, with Neymar struggling to look anything more really than a Brazilian Ross Barkley at this World Cup. His decision, his head just does not seem to be in the football. He's some one-man psychodrama, you know, the world against Neymar. So the gent that I am looking forward to seeing uh, live in the flesh is Philippe Coutinho, who stepped up to become, in this tournament, Brazil's talisman. I mean, that goal against Switzerland is still making my nipples tingle. Serbia, though, Davo, 
they could still do them. Coutinho, he is the Brazilian Jesse Lingard, Rog. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Okay, Rog, have a great time at Serbia versus Brazil. Avoid all those good-looking women in Red Square, because I know they make you uncomfortable. They do. Uh, they all, they all mistake me for you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> no, believe me, they don't. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter, at Men in Blazers, at MC Davies, at Rog Bennett, on Instagram, at Men in Blazers, at MC underscore Davies, on Facebook, we're men in blazers. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho uh, or to the Bud Hotel in Moscow. You can also uh, email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. Vendafungroch. War pig. Who wants the sex matombo? I like snacks. Balls win. Balls win. Take that, Gloria. Balls lose. To Tweed. To England. Avocado. Rock on, mate. And Kung Fu Fighting America. If anyone can tell me how you say... Do you even live, bro? In Russian, I'd be incredibly grateful. Love you, Davo. Love you, Rog.